0: Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good all of that. Um, i not going to do the traditional intro. Uh want to do a bit of a different intro because today we're going to talk about mental health and the importance of therapy in men, specifically black men and black women and just people in general, but uh, mostly people like me. So uh, if you're having any issues, if you're feeling like not your best self, If you feel like today may be the day that you just can't continue on, I got a number for you to call. 800-273-8555. It's the National Suicide Hotline. Seems crazy to be talking about something like suicide or, you know, death or take your own life. But But in today's world, therapy and assistance is much needed. And if you're someone who feels like today, just today's the day, reach out to somebody. I appreciate you. I love you. Let's get into this episode. Yo, yo, yo. How we doing once again? Lucky Jones here. Augusta Foster on, you know, I feel like this is like low key, some nostalgia. Like, when when I decided to do this episode, you know, I, like, even with the introduction that I did, like, remember we used to watch, you know, Cosby or Family Matters or Step by Step, or Full House or whatever the show was. You know, even going back to Family Ties, whatever show that you connect with at the age bracket you're in, you would sit there and be, you know, they would give you disclaimer. Tonight is a very special episode. <laughs> like, that's how I feel recording this, but it is. Um, it's something near and dear to my heart and some very, uh, important to me, uh, mental health. This is, you know, the, the therapy talk episode, um, you know, I just want to talk about the importance of mental health and ask a couple of questions, um, specifically regarding the black community. What's, what's the fear of going To the therapist or seeking therapy or help the stigmas attached to it. Why are black men more averse to it than any other race? And what does religion's role play in it? Uh, So we're going to jump right into that. Uh, Before I do, just to throw out some some numbers, because I like I like numbers. I like analytics. I believe They're very important. Um, With that said, 20% black men are 20% more to say they experience some form of a psychological issue or 20% more to say or to report that we, you know, are experiencing some type of psychological issues. A uh, 2018 study uh, showed that Black men. Uh, here was a the figure that they did the graph. We, as Black people as a whole, Black folks as a whole, uh, you know, this is where. Numbers get, you know, critical black people as a whole in the United States of America in this 2018 study represented 30 percent of the population that's been consistent pretty much across the board. Like we're never a huge, huge number. We haven't been a large number here since, you know, <coughs> slavery. Um, But uh roughly 13 percent, a little bit over 30 percent of the population is black or identifies as black, American, black, non-Hispanic, etc., Um, uh, Of that 13% of the population, 16% of that 13% of people, black folk in America, 16% reported that within the past year, they'd experienced some kind of a mental issue or some form of a mental trauma. When you break that number down, that 13% of the entire population of America and that 16% that reported, mind you, that 16% that reported they'd experienced issues within the last calendar year, some kind of trauma in the last calendar year, at 7 million people. Seven, here, listen closely, that is 7 million people people who reported that within the past 365 days, they'd experienced some kind of mental anguish or traumatic issue. That's 7 million people who look like me, but that 7 million were the only ones who reported it. Which, you know, that number, my God, it's crazy. That goes to the importance of mental health. Mental health is, you know, it, it has its, you know, it has its stigma alone. You know, people are traditionally, you know, folk across the board will say, uh, if you're old enough, you remember people calling them shrinks or quacks. Why would you go see a therapist? You know, you go see somebody. You know, you're going to see a head doctor. You know, not that kind of head doctor, gentlemen. But you know, you're going to see somebody to check it. dome. You'll be fine. And it, it was always, you know, the the mental health profession was always somewhat looked down upon. They were used in films uh, throughout the history of film to uh, connote someone who was, you know, almost the mad scientist—the person pulling the brain and putting it into something else, and animals, and uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and and you know Frankenstein's monster to create this human and his mind is like a child. And there's there's always just been this like like psychs and mental health people and counselors—they've always had a bad rap. You know, it's always it's never really gone well for them, but their role is important, not just because they go to school and get all that debt, but their role is important because they provide a service that many need, but totally neglect. I mean, think about it like this. You'll get up every morning. uh, If you're a religious person, you'll. Pray to whoever your religious person is, you know, someone who's been a Christian and a Muslim, get up and pray to God. And, you know, and I lived as a Muslim, you know, I do my five times a day towards Mecca. But you're getting up and you have this routine to connect with your spiritual self. Uh, You're somebody who's really fit and in the gym. You know, you might go two a day, you might, you know, arm day, leg day, backs, lats, traps, all of that. But you have this routine where you're working on your physical body. You won't put certain things into your physical body. Folk who I know who are very much in the church, very much devout, they won't put things into their spiritual being. And all these things are going on and and they're focused on the health, the health of their body, the health of their heart. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do this. I get my cardio. I lift my weights. I only eat veggies this day. I don't eat whites. I only eat browns, brownness, sweet potato. And they're doing all these things and they skip the dome. They skip the don't because why is mental health important? I mean, I'm intact with God, you know, my body is right, but then you need someone to help you tap in when your things are a bit foggy. So mental health is important, but it gets neglected. Why? Why is mental health neglected? Well, let's ask some questions. Why the fear of mental health? Well, more than just you know, the things I listed, you know, films and all that crazy stuff. Mental health carries a lot of stigma, specifically, specifically in the black community uh, right now with uh, COVID-19 coronavirus getting real. It's getting real uh, with a uh, COVID-19 out here. There's been a there's been a pushback. Specifically from the black community, because traditionally there is a pushback from the black community with respect to anything medical. Um, We haven't had the best track record here in America uh, with respect to black people born here, raised here, roots here, lost somewhere in the mid-Atlantic slave trade. You know, no offense to, you know, the West Indians or African brothers and sisters, but this, you know, the the forgotten members of the diaspora, the black Americans rooted from slavery. We've had a very tough go here in America, not just with the whole being snatched and having our history taken, which that'll go later in our conversation. But. Medically, I mean, there's there's, you know, the first thing the black people always throw out, you know, a hey, Tuskegee. You know, there's everybody knows, even if you're white and you're listening to this. you know, I always talk about my couple of people who live, you know, in Germany and Amsterdam and Ireland who randomly listen to this. I thank you. Appreciate you, you know, for the two cats in Britain who listen to this. Oh, thanks, bruv. Um, but. All of everyone knows somebody black, an older black man specifically, who when he talks to you, you talk to him about the doctor, he immediately is healthy. He immediately is healthy because anything health-wise. He's just anti. He ain't wit. So to tell him, hey, look, you need to go see this shrink. You need to go see this quack. They don't even take it seriously. Shrink or quack? But black people go, you want me to go to a doctor? Pooh, Tuskegee. And they give you the Tuskegee speech. You know, they talk about, you know, there's a book, Medical Apartheid, uh, where they you know break down the history of black folk being everything. You talk about Henrietta Lacks. History just ain't good to black folk in America with medicine. So there's nothing else different from mental health. We're just, we're just averse to it. We're just not going. I said people afraid of COVID-19. So if I won't go to get a COVID-19 shot during a worldwide pandemic, or as the kids have been saying, a pandemonium, a pseudonym, a panda, a panoramic, all of the P words that they've been saying that aren't necessarily pandemic. Um, With that going on outside, what? Why would I? I'm not going to get a shot. So now, if I'm not correct in my head, why would I go see this other person? Why? I mean, there's there's you know the 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 constant feeling of I'm good, I'm all right. Like that's the thing. I'm good, I'm fine, I'll be okay. Working things out on our own, not needing the professional, not really needing help. Which goes even more to black people in a stigma not necessarily black people's stigma of, of mental health, you know, and us thinking they're quacks, they're shrinks, they're, you know, they're not real doctors. I'm okay. Uh, which, you know, I'll actually tie that into the next subject, but there's a, there's a term. The term is somatization. Once again, I'll say that somatization does that sound familiar? Soma to say, soma. Oh, somebody in their house right now has got a bottle of red wine. That somas don't do it. Don't do it. But that's where the word soma comes from. So somatization. The actual definition definition of somatization is medical symptoms with no organic cause. Medical symptoms with no organic cause. So what they mean by that is you you have you have the you know you show up with uh this illness but they don't they really can't like pinpoint what's the root cause of it like it's just you know there you know not somebody who you know uh uh would technically you know be a my gosh what's the what's the What's the, what's the term? Um, not necessarily like a, a hypochondriac. There we go. Not necessarily, you know, like somebody who's a hypochondriac, you know, hypochondriacs, you know, the people who, uh, you know, they're always worried about, you know, their health and their sickness, you know, not necessarily like a hypochondriac, but people who totally just go about living there every day. And somatization says they come up with these illnesses, but they don't know. Well, they did this study and they realized in this study, there are so many black people who suffer. From somatization where what it is, is their regular everyday life is so rough, so hard, so difficult. That now all of a sudden these other symptoms that you would get for totally unrelated issues begin to develop and show up and doctors don't know how because it's not organic. Doctors say, man, I've never, you know, this 42-year-old, totally healthy black man comes in here and he's complaining of headaches. It's not light. It's not this, not that. He's complaining of backaches and this. And it's almost like your body turns on you because of all the other bull crap going on in the world. Somatization. You show symptoms. You go to a doctor if you take your black butt to a doctor. But they can't quite pinpoint it. Now, in in one of these studies, they said, you know, even though somatization showed in physical sense, they attributed a lot of it specifically in black men. In black men, they said a lot of this. Man, this isn't physical with these guys. There's something that goes on with them mentally. To where it begins to display in their physical So why don't black men go see therapy? And I wrote this question down. Does manhood block your ability to be honest with yourself about mental health? What is it about manhood? What is it about machismo? What is it about? I'll figure it out. Uh, There's a question that that. Constantly gets answered. You know in the black community whenever, you know, black man goes through something. You good, bro? Straight? Hey, man, you good? Hey, family, I'm just checking in on you. And it's a simple question. You know, black people, we have this very different lexicon, you know, how we operate. Two to three words could be an entire paragraph or stanza of, you know, worth the conversation, but it's just simple. So you would hear something as, as short sweetest. Hey, you good, bro? And the answer or that question could elicit such a long response because we know what the question really means mentally, spiritually, physically, family, all of that. Are you safe? Are you protected? But, you know, men, specifically black men don't operate that way. So you can't ask all of those questions of your boy, your family, even your father. Regardless how close you are, it doesn't doesn't feel comfortable to us. It doesn't feel normal. So you just go, hey, bro, you good. And in turn, that same man who knows you're asking him, who knows you have to ask that way because he's, you know, you're a man, you're a dude, you know, you're tough and all of that. And you can't you can't be open. You can't show feelings. You you can't quite do that because it's it's not the norm within the community. So because of that, and he asks you, "You good?" You respond back with equal energy. Yeah, I'm straight, knowing damn well you're not. So this manhood act that people put on, like, and I say it's an act because I always give my own experience. After my divorce, uh, I wrote. I'm writing in my book. One of the lines I wrote in my book was, "In my divorce." One of the first things I had to accept was. I had to accept I was no longer a husband, but that I would always be a father. And that was hard because in I didn't took me a while to get to that point, but initially I felt, man, I'm never going to see my kids again. I'm separate. This is all this. And there's all this pain and all these thoughts. And I remember. A night where, you know, I drunk a whole lot and I I planned on getting behind the wheel, but I didn't. I remember another instance where I was like, today, today was the day. And I got a random phone call from a relative and I didn't do it. And I remember another instance being on a bridge and driving across a bridge and saying, I could just drive off this bridge so easily. And like in the process of thinking of it, it felt like I was thinking of it for, for minutes. But by then I was off the bridge and safe. Like Mentally, I was in a bad place. And the worst part about it was I wasn't man enough to say, bro, you need some help. I just it off as I'll figure this out because I'd always figure things out. That's what I do. That's what men do. You're taught to figure it out. Listen, any dudes out here with a sister? Anybody? My pops who raised us. Regardless, you know, he's super old school, tough guy, was in the Navy, wrestled, all of that. He, you know, the man taught me how to build a house from the ground up. Outstanding father. When my birth dad left, I tell everybody it's the best thing never happened. Best thing never happened to me was pops coming along. My stepfather raised me. Outstanding. And as hard as he was on me, he was just as soft on my sister. And there were times where, you know, my sister would fuss, cuss him out and this and this and that. But then she'd be like, hey, pops, I need some help. And he would do it. He wouldn't fuss, cuss me out, but I would call, hey, pops, I need some help. Well, son, I know you'll figure it out. That was the difference, man. Like, yo, you're my son. You're a man. You figure this out. So here I am in a world where I want to hurt myself, harm myself, possibly harm others. But I have to figure it out because that's what we teach. But it takes a while. You know, best relationship I've had with my father, you know, was with my father and my birthday, I was like after, you know, having kids, like them being able to be warmer to the children. You know, it's weird to see a 70 year old man, you know, like FaceTime his grandkids. It's hilarious. Him struggling with FaceTime, but I digress. I say all I had to say because it's not necessarily natural. And this isn't just the black community. Statistically, we're just off with it. It happens commonly in white communities. I hate to throw this out, but most of your White shooters, mass shooters, quote unquote, lone wolves. These are people who they label with mental issues. And I always say uh, sometimes it's mental. Sometimes it's a race deal. Sometimes, you know, Dylan Roof. I don't believe Dylan Roof who went into the church in South Carolina. Those people, I don't believe that was mental. I believe he was a racist. However, have there been white males who've committed mass shootings? Uh, to this day, I still believe that Columbine horrible, horrible act. Those kids were picked on, bullied, and I think it broke them mentally. And no one ever reached out. Happens in all communities. Young Latino men, Spanish speaking men, all these issues. It happens with women, trauma, unresolved issues, assaults, rape, neglect, father issues, mother issues, all of these things. And folk, the mindset just becomes. Now nah, I'm good. I'm good. I got this. That's, that's the manhood thing. You tough it out. You thug it out. The last question I wanted to ask was the one that I think affects the black community, followed by the Spanish speaking or Hispanic community, if you will, the most. How much does your religion play a role in this? Like how how much really does religion play a role in you? Not seeking mental help. Um, I talked to my old lady, who is, you know, a therapist and a counselor. She's very intelligent. Uh, I actually reached out uh, I text a friend of mine, who's uh, in the same field. Uh, he's very good at what he does. Blackmail therapist. I once in a while I just like picking his brain, you know, to get free sessions. Low key. Don't watch this and think I'm getting free sessions from you. By the way, but um, or listen to this. For the people who are listening to this, but who didn't watch the live, um, but and I asked him, you know, man, you know, bro, you know, you're you're devout Christian, you go to church every Sunday, you're your wife, blah 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 blah. Why do people think Jesus? Because they have Jesus, they can't have a therapist. And he said, because religion taught us that. He said, old old school religion has put us in a place where you lean on God for absolutely everything. So because you lean on God for everything, where you're not writing your mind, where you're not writing your body, all of that, you go to Him. He said, and what people neglect is God has sent his, his, his angels, his workers, you know, uh, they gave some preachers, some teachers, some apostles, some you know, five-fold ministry deal. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm an extension of one of those. He said, counseling, therapy, helping children, young men going into prison, juvenile facilities. He said, man, that's my work. It's not just my life work, but it's my ministry. And I never thought about it that way. I said, that's, that's deep. It says ministry. But folk raised in the church weren't weren't raised that way. I, I remember speaking to an older relative uh, when I told him, I said, yeah, you know, I went to therapy and uh, this older relative uh, said, well, what did you do that for? Well, I needed it. Well, you know, did you pray about it? Yeah, I prayed. God told me to go see a therapist. And uh, I talked with this relative later and they said, you know, I, I think. We have someone in our family who needs to go see a therapist. I said, well, now you're okay with it. And what they said stunned me. They said, uh, they said, you know, in my younger years, we frowned upon it because it was almost looked as, you know, like blasphemous that you would go see a man about something that God could handle. But now I've come to realize that God allows these people into your lives. He blessed them to be therapists. They're there for a reason. And I'm, I'm comfortable with the idea that uh, you can have Jesus and a therapist. And I said, whoo, lovely. But people have to get comfortable with the idea. People have to get cool, good with the idea that you could have the Lord and the therapist. You can have Allah and the counselor. You can have Krishna and, you know, your LMFT. You can have whoever. But these people are here for a reason. and. I want to wrap it up by saying this, uh, I'm going to end my live over there. Peace to the live. Um, if you were someone who was like, I, I worked in, I'll here even better. I'll wrap it up with this. I spent almost a little, I spent a little over five years working in law enforcement. And in that time, uh, I saw a lot of drug addicts i saw a number of duis i saw uh you know arrested a couple of folks saw some people high on drugs countless homeless people people urinating themselves people who've defecated themselves uh going into homes of uh civilians and military personnel who'd uh you know had you know child neglect and just just bad stuff i also dealt with my share of hate Racism, nepotism, uh, having my car vandalized with the word nigger, um, being called a criminal simply due to my skin tone, uh, serving in a capacity of being, you know, like the union rep and sitting in on some meetings that left me sick to my stomach with some of the things that my coworkers, my quote unquote brothers in blue, you know, that, you know, people who you expect to have your six cover your back on a call, things that they had said and done. And there was a period of time in 2020 where I, I, I physically could not go to work. somatization, So much pain mentally from the job left me physically ill to where I couldn't go to work. And I called my therapist and she said, you don't need to go in there because you could hurt or harm yourself or someone else. And it was at that point I said, this is important. Like I knew it was important before, but I said, "Man, you've you've got to get help." So I tell everyone, you know, all the cops who I know, all the brothers who I know work in jail, all the other vets who I know. Hey, man, you man, you got to get the help. And I said that to say this as a black man who was working in law enforcement, who was supposed to be out here making changes, but still, when I took my badge and gun off, was totally. Totally conscious of the fact that with that badge and uniform off, I was just another black face in the crowd, understanding slavery, understanding that regardless of if you're a Christian or a Muslim, if you are Martin or if you're a Malcolm, they still gun you down. Right now, one of the most critically acclaimed films out is Judas and the Black Messiah. The story of Fred Hampton, who rose to greatness and prominence out of Chicago as a member and a leader of the Black Panthers, only to be killed by the police and later for it to be found out that it was the federal government that did it. Understanding all of that history, understanding, you know, the rape of women, the murder of children, the rape of men, the murdering of the old and enslaving and these. Uh, the transatlantic slave trade and, and, and being placed below others. And regardless of who, regardless of who I am understanding that in this country, whether I be Democrat, Republican, cop or criminal, Christian or Muslim, whatever I am, I am black first. And there's a lot that comes along with that. So I say that to say, If you are a black man, go get help. The reason you need it is because there were someone who I spoke with. uh, She worded it as there's so much other things going on in your life. Being someone black, specifically a man in this country, there are so many outside sources that bother and disrupt you mentally that don't even have to do with your regular daily program." So many other things that for you not to get help, you are asking for a problem. Listen, I want you to be well. I want you to be great. I want you to dare to be great, man. I want you to live long and prosper, you know, on the Star Trek side of the game. So for every black man out there who needs some help, listen, man, like I said, it's a very special episode for every black woman who, you know, don't, don't let, culture, religion, stop you. Whether you're Hispanic, you know, you speak Spanish. If you're Cambodian, Laotian, Australian, white, regular white, Irish, German, it doesn't matter. If you are thinking there's so much on my mind and I just can't figure it out, go to get the help. It's important. And I'm not going to tell you, you know, it may save your life. It will save your life. If every man out there thinking, nah, man, I can't do it, you know, nah, bro, that's some whole stuff, that's for women. Listen, the manliest thing that you can do is admit when you need help. The toughest thing you can do is be vulnerable enough to get assistance. You can't do this on your own. And the good thing is, there's tons of people out there to help you say that you don't have to. Appreciate you for listening. Y'all have a good day. See y'all next time. Be well. Peace.